What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mike Milner. And yes, that is a little extra pep in my step today because we just hit a crazy milestone. This is officially episode number 300. Holy shit, that's a lot of episodes. It does not seem real. It actually feels like just yesterday. I was sitting up at night thinking about the first episode that I wanted to record, not being able to sleep, going over all the things in my mind that I wanted to talk about, that I wanted to say, that I wanted to air out on a podcast. And yes, that's a true story. I decided one night that I wanted to do a podcast. I found a local studio who is still doing all of my sound edits to this day. Shout out to Pierre. I appreciate you. And uh, we're here now, 300 episodes later, but it was just on a whim. And I was like, here are all the things that I want to talk about because that's my crazy personality. And if you are a day one OG episode one to episode 300, I sincerely appreciate you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you to all of you who listen. Even if this is your first time listening, thank you. I appreciate you taking 30 minutes, an hour, or however long the episodes are out of your day to listen to what I have to say. It is still surreal that anybody would actually tune in and listen to the words that come out of my mouth, but I appreciate you guys truly. It allows me to basically have my own form of therapy that somehow people enjoy. It's a beautiful thing, but here we are, 300 episodes, craziness. And for my 300th episode, We're doing it my way. I get to talk about the shit that I want to talk about. That means no fat loss conversation. I'm not going to talk about nutrition. Not going to talk about any of that stuff. I'm, I'm doing this one my way. For episode 300, I thought it would be fun to give you 10 lessons or 10 frameworks that I like to live by. This is, as it currently stands today, as of recording this, the year is 2022. The date is May 16th, and I'm recording this. This is my top 10 frameworks for winning at life. We'll probably title this one, How to Win at Life. These are not necessarily rules. These are more like frameworks or guiding principles that help you win at life or just be a better human or make better decisions. This is something that I have really gotten into lately. Um, I... I'm kind of on this deep dive of personal development. It's something that I'm focusing on because I noticed that I have a lot of blind spots. I have a lot of blind spots in my life, in the way that I operate, and we all do. We are human. So inevitably, we have a lot of blind spots. We have cognitive biases. We have cognitive distortions. We are fear-based animals. We operate from a place of scarcity oftentimes. And I wanted to actually dig into how to just be a better human overall, how to make better decisions. And that's been the path that I've been on lately. And uh, it's been well well worth it, very rewarding. Um, So today's episode is going to be my top 10 in no particular order frameworks as it currently stands today to make better decisions, to win at life, to be a better human. And uh, we're just going to jump in. Before I do that, I must let you know because We're 300 episodes deep. We've grown considerably year over year. It's amazing. And the the way that we've been able to accomplish that is because of you. 
I don't reach anybody else. I don't reach a new audience unless you guys, number one, enjoy the content and then number two, share it. So the best way to let me know that you're enjoying it is by leaving a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And you can also share this episode to your stories. Now, this one is, I, I say this every episode, but this one's especially meaningful because I want everyone to know that we hit this milestone. 300 episodes is a big deal to me. So if you could help me pay it forward and share this with one person that you think it would benefit, share it to your stories, tag that person, tag me, send it to friends and family. Uh, my Instagram handle is at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner. And with that being said, let's jump in. All right. This is my top 10 frameworks for winning at life. Number one, and this is in no particular order, I'm just sharing in the order that I wrote it down in my notes. <laughs> Number one is windows and mirrors. This concept uh, is something that I learned from a mentor of mine. His name is Nick Peterson and very smart dude. And this concept is when we find ourselves looking out a window, placing blame, looking at all of the other reasons as to why we're in the situation that we're in. And we're pointing out this window and we have all of these excuses and it's this person's fault and this situation and this circumstance and this thing that I can't control. And we're pointing and we're pointing and we're pointing. The thing that we have to consider is that the window might actually be a mirror. And all the things that we're pointing at deflect right back at ourselves and taking extreme ownership and responsibility for your situation and your circumstances. There are going to be things in life that are not your fault, but are your responsibility. So I try to live with this principle in mind, windows and mirrors. Anytime I catch myself pointing and assessing blame, I catch myself in that moment. Is it really a window or is this a mirror? Is it actually on me? And I always try to take responsibility for anything, regardless of whether it's my fault or not, that is irrelevant to taking responsibility. For example, if you're stopped at a red light and somebody hits you from behind with their car, clearly they are at fault. They will likely have to cover all of the damage. However, it is still your responsibility to handle the situation. It's your responsibility to get the information that you need. It's your responsibility to contact whoever you need to contact, whether that's insurance or police or whoever. It's still your responsibility what you do from there. Not your fault, always your responsibility. So number one framework, windows and mirrors. We always like to point out the window, but oftentimes that window is a mirror. Number two is what I call the investor's frame. The investor's frame is great for assessing a situation where there's some kind of a potential for sunken cost bias, where you're, you're holding on to something for a really long time and you don't know if you should let that thing go or not. It could be a relationship. It could be an actual investment. Like you put money into something and that investment went down over time. And now you're like, well, shit, I don't know what I should do. Should I hold? Should I wait for this to reverse? I don't know if it's going to bounce back. What do I do? Same thing with literally anything in life. The investor's frame states, given what I know now, would I allocate the same financial investment, time investment, energy investment into this thing in its current state? 
So the easy example is, is an actual investment. So let's just say you put $100,000 into a stock. And let's say that that stock goes down 50% and you're feeling less than thrilled. The investor's frame says, given what I know now, would I still allocate that same $100,000 at its current price? If yes, then you hold, you're in the right place. If no, those are resources that could be better spent elsewhere. And if you stay in that situation, you're violating your own economic principles. It's the same thing with a relationship. As it stands today, knowing what I know now, would I allocate the same resources, time, energy, all of that, into this relationship in its current state? If no, you're violating your own personal principles by staying in the relationship. Same thing with hiring or firing an employee. Uh, when you've hired somebody and you feel like you've put a lot into their development, if you're a, a boss or a CEO or you run a business, you run a team, and you're not sure about a certain individual that you've invested a lot into, given what you know now in its current state, would you reallocate all of those same resources to that same individual now that you have the science of hindsight? If no, and you keep that person on staff, you're violating your own personal principles and economic principles. So that's the investor frame. And uh, it's a really great way to create awareness around sunken cost bias where you've already put in so much time. So it's like, oh, well, I might as well just ride this out. It happens, you know, in so many different areas, staying in toxic relationships, holding on to bad investments. Here's the thing. Money spent, like if we just continue with the actual investors frame, money spent in one place is eliminating an infinite number of possibilities of where else that can be spent, right? So most people don't consider the fact that like, oh yeah, it's, it's harmless that I spend money on XYZ things, but you're taking that money and you're allocating those resources in one place and eliminating other areas that it could be allocated. You're eliminating other possibilities, which is always immediately what I think of when somebody tells me, that they can't afford coaching or they can't spend money on themselves, they can't invest in themselves or their health or whatever. I always think now, because I'm a nice person, I typically say, oh, you know, that's too bad. Like, hopefully, you know, you'll figure it out someday. The reality is because I'm not here to convince anybody of anything, but the reality is it's probably poor resource allocation and nothing else. It's probably more of taking the resources that you already have and putting them to something that's more of a priority. If you're saying that it's a priority, if it's not a priority, cool, then keep doing what you're doing. But if you're saying that your health and, and investing in yourself is really important to you, but you're allocating those resources elsewhere, then you are violating your own personal and economic principles. So it, it works across the board. Um, and, and typically we see it time and time again with people who hold on to things just because it's it's considered normal. Like it's normal to stay in this toxic relationship. It's normal to keep my money in this stock just because I hope one day it'll turn around. Um, and, and all of these things that we tell ourselves, which are all cognitive distortions, and then an easy way to pull out of that is to implement the investor's frame. So that's another framework for winning at life, implement the investor's frame. Another one is kind of piggybacking off of this, uh, number three is we spend money on a lot of things, right? We pay for things, for bills. We spend money on, on various different things. Um, I've spent countless thousands on 
nutrition programs, training programs, certifications. Um, in for my own health and fitness, I've spent tens of thousands of dollars. On my own business, I've spent over six figures, well over six figures. And on my personal development, I am heading towards six figures in investments. Here's the thing. It's not because I got it like that. I don't want to make it seem like I'm just out here balling out and spending money left and right. I have I own a small business. I bust my ass to make this work. I work really hard to make this a viable option. It is difficult to run a profitable business, to be able to pay myself, to be able to manage and pay a team, a team that also needs to support their families. It's not like I'm over here killing it. So let it be known that when I say I'm spending money like that, it's not because I've got it like that. It's simply because these things have been really important to me. Um, I've maxed out credit cards. I've taken on a lot of debt, like decisions that some people would say were reckless and crazy, which is fine. I'm okay being called crazy. But here's the thing. Here is what I will always believe to be true. This is number three. Regardless of all of that money spent, we will always pay full price for unused potential. And that's why I've always been okay taking those chances. Why I'm okay rolling the dice. Why I'm okay spending money and investing myself. Because I know that we always pay full price for unused potential. And that shit does not go away. My belief is that currently in today's society, that kills us more than any other threat in existence. Unused potential, knowing that you're capable of more, knowing that you have more to offer, knowing that you could make the world a better place and doing nothing about it. That we will always pay full price for, and that shit haunts you forever. That's my belief. So that is number three, is a reminder to myself that all of the money spent, some people would look at that and be like, man, think about how much money you would have had. No, I would have simply allocated those resources elsewhere and it would not have had the type of impact that coaching for my health and fitness, coaching in my business and coaching me as a human to become a better person has had on me. So my number three is we will always pay full price for unused potential. Again, when I hear people say, I can't afford it, it's not the right time, all these other excuses, in the back of my mind, that price tag just keeps ringing like, okay, but you're going to be paying full price for the shit that you're not doing. I don't say that because again, I'm not here to convince anybody of anything, but I always think it and it sits there in the back of my mind like, just wait. That price tag is going to be shocking when it slaps you in the face and you're like, oh, wow, okay, now I get it. And by that time, and you're ready to make the investment, sometimes the investment has gone up quite a bit at that point. So my belief has always been, I know that there's untapped potential that I'm going to be paying full price for. So I might as well jump in, make the investment in myself because you can always make more money. You cannot take back what previously happened and you cannot create more time. Number four, action organizes. This one's my favorite because I, sh I shouldn't say it's my favorite. <laughs> I could say that with every single one of these. But I find that most people have this in reverse. Most people, 
need to get their ducks in a row. They need everything to be in perfect alignment. They need to have the right schedule and the right time and all things organized perfectly before they take a step. And here's the reality. All of that shit makes you feel really productive, like you're setting yourself up to do something. In reality, you're just delaying. You know that action is difficult, that change is difficult. So you're convincing yourself that you're actually doing something when in reality, you're quote unquote, organizing yourself. You're getting your your things together. I'm getting my ducks in, in a row. I'm getting myself situated. No, the fuck you're not. You are delaying, you're stalling, you're procrastinating. You're doing everything but taking action. Action organizes. It's not the reverse. You take action and then you realize what needs to get organized. That is the order. That is how it works. We always tend to think of this in reverse, but it is action first. Organization comes as a result of that. If you don't take action, you don't even know what you should be organizing. So you're just organizing for the sake of feeling productive. That is my number four life principle to live by. Number five, along the same lines, make a decision, then make it right. There's no such thing as the right decision. If you go back and you think about all of the shit that you've done in your life, it's probably a pretty mixed bag. Like if you think about a lot of the decisions, you'd probably be like, well, that decision wasn't the best decision. This one was a good decision. This one, right? But you have the science of hindsight. In the moment, you don't know the best decision because life needs to play out. And there's a whole series of unexpected and uncertain events that will transpire that we can't even come close to predicting. If you had told anybody in their right mind, let's say around like 2018, you're like, hey, in about two years, your whole world is going to flip upside down and there's going to be a pandemic and all this shit's going to happen. They'd be like, yeah, okay, whatever, you're nuts. There's a whole series of unexpected events that are going to happen. There's no such thing as a right decision. Like imagine if a restaurant who was like killing it in person was like, we're going to shut down in person and we're just going to start doing like takeout. We're going to crush the takeout business. Some people would be like, that's a horrible decision. And then lo and behold, COVID hits and all of a sudden they start crushing because they're already set up to fulfill a massive influx of takeout orders. So who's to say what's right? The reality is you make a decision and then you make it right. It's not sitting on the sidelines worrying about the right decision. It's making a decision and then making it right. The worst thing that you can do is no decision. I tell people this all the time. If, if somebody is on the fence about coaching, here's what I say. I don't really care if you do this or not. And that's, that's the honest. Like I want to help as many people as possible. I'm not here to convince anybody that they should get help. I am here to offer help to people who already know that they need and want help. So if somebody is on the fence, I'm like, cool, there's, there's a ton of people that are ready and willing to take the leap, to put in the work and to change their lives. Like a ton. I know that we have an amazing group of clients that are doing that right now, every single day. They show up for themselves. They put in the work. They don't need it to be perfect. They know it's going to be ugly and messy at times. They know they're going to fail. It doesn't matter. They're here for it. They show up. And they do what needs to be done and they get the reward of that action. So I'm not here to tell anybody what you should or shouldn't be doing. The reality is, I don't care. You don't want to do it? Cool. Don't do it. You want to do it? Amazing. We can change your life. But here's what I want you to do. Decide. That's it. 
Just decide, make a decision. The worst thing that you can do for somebody is let them sit on the fence. And sometimes that comes across as dickish. And sometimes people get mad at me. And they're like, well, I really need a lot of time to think about this. No, you don't. That's another bullshit story that you're, you're telling yourself. You've been thinking about this for your whole life. You've been wanting this change for years, decades. There's no more thinking about it. You've been thinking long enough. You've been doing any, everything but what actually needs to be done. So here it is. Either you say you're in or you say you're out, but I need a decision. That is the kindest thing that you can do for somebody. It might not feel nice. Remember, there's a big difference between nice and being kind. It may not feel nice, but is the kindest thing that you can do for somebody is make them make a decision. And if you are that individual, make a decision and then make it right. So, For somebody that tells me, I really want to transform my body. I want to improve my relationship with food. I'm sick of this chronic dieting. And then they also tell me, no, I don't want to join coaching. Great. At least you made a decision. Now go make that the right decision. Go make it right. That is the stance that everybody should take. Make a fucking decision and then make it right. All right. Where are we at? We're on number six. Number six, life principle. Only track data that informs behavior. I did a whole episode on this, so I don't need to really rehash it. Um, Most of these principles have showed up in an episode or at least a rant of an episode at some point. So hopefully you're recognizing patterns and themes. I like to reiterate things over and over again because that's how I learn. I learn by hearing the same message in different ways over and over again. So I'm assuming a lot of you are, are the same way, but only track data that informs decisions. There's a lot of people out there that are data geeks, that are you know nerds when it comes to tracking. And the more data, the better. But they only do that to make themselves feel comfortable or feel this false sense of certainty. Well, if I have all of this data, then I can be very certain, except that's not how life works. The only data that's necessary is data that informs behavior. Even worse is when you have all of the data in front of you, the objective data, and yet you're still using it to make poorly informed decisions like, you know, oh, I know that this data is telling me that I am not consistent with my macros, but yet I'm going to cut my macros and make it even more difficult. Right. So like if you're using data, make sure it's data that actually informs decisions and behaviors and make sure that you're in alignment with what the data is telling you. If you're going to be that person, use it properly or don't and, and complain and be a jackass, but that's, you know, totally fine. You just don't have the right to drain anybody else's energy through that process. So keep it to yourself. If you're going to be that person, if you're going to be that person, be that person on your own time. Don't waste anybody else's time. Or you can be the person that's quote unquote data driven, but you're using it to properly inform your behaviors and only the data that accurately informs behaviors. That's again, just a life principle that I live by because it drowns out a lot of other nonsense. It drowns out a lot of other noises. And let's be honest, most of us are overwhelmed with information and decisions and life and all these things. The last thing that we need to do is burden ourselves with more data that does not help us or or contribute to making better decisions. All right, where are we at? Number seven. I think we're at number seven. I think we're at number seven right now. And this is a little acronym called DALA. This is again from one of my mentors, DALA, D-A-L-A. That can stand for directions for acting like an adult or my favorite, don't act like an asshole. 
It can stand for either, depending on your tolerance for cursing. You guys, if you listen to this, you know my tolerance. Um, so I prefer don't act like an asshole. By Dala, directions for acting like adult or don't act like an asshole. There's a very simple standard that we should all be following. Your words and your espoused values need to align with your inaction and real life values. Oftentimes we say things and then our behavior is diametrically imposed to what we say we want. In my opinion, that's acting like an asshole. In my opinion, if you say you want something and your actions are incongruent, that's acting like an asshole. So when we say Dala, it means, hey, you probably should align your words and your actions. And if you choose not to, because you're an adult and you get to make adult decisions, if you choose not to, once again, you have forfeited the right to complain about anything. You can be pissed off. You can be unhappy. You can be frustrated, but you can do that on your own. You don't have the right to drain anybody else's energy or waste anybody else's time when you're not willing to own that your actions and your words don't align. When you continue to say something and then you do something different and then you bitch about it, that is pure acting like an asshole. Those are people that I try to repel away from pop. We try to bring in people who know that they want something and are ready to go after it. And they just simply need the right plan in the right direction because they've been following the wrong plans in the wrong direction for a while. And we just need to give them the right stuff for them. Those are my people, the people that say they want something and then their actions tell a different story. And then they have the, the nerve to bitch and complain about that. Those are not my people. Those are not our people. Um, if that's you, my recommendation is do something about it. But again, you are an adult. You get to make your own choices. It's just something to consider if you prefer to act like an adult or if you prefer to not be an asshole. Um, remember that you get to decide all of this. And that's, I think that's like the, the, the bottom line is there's always choice involved. And that can be scary for some, and that can be empowering for others. I think that a big issue is most people don't want to declare their desires or what they truly want. So they kind of dance around it or they're a little bit fearful because when you define success, you're effectively also defining failure, right? When you define success, anything that's not that is in turn, not successful, right? So that would be failure. And I think this is often where we see people like, you know, if I define success as spending more time with my kids, but then my actions have me taking a job that takes me away from my kids, now I feel like a failure and I don't understand this internal battle because I think I'm doing something, right? I'm maybe making more money or I think I'm doing something right. But internally, there's the struggle. The struggle is that what you really want is diametrically opposed to what you're doing. And that's where the phrase dollar can come into play. Is this congruent with what I actually want? Or am I saying one thing and doing another? All right, number eight is the human mindset versus the champion's mind. Uh, this is from Dr. Jeff Spencer, who is 
arguably one of the best performance coaches of all time. Um, he talks about the human mindset and it's because it's set, it's fixed as our fear response. This is typically the thing that gets first say it's built into our wiring, built into our DNA. It comes from the perspective of survival first and what do I stand to lose? And then on the other side of that, we have the champion's mind. The champion's mind is like this living, breathing organism that can be molded. It can be adapted. It can grow. It can evolve. It is not fixed. And the champion's mind has the last say. So the human mindset, fear-based, survival-based, what do I stand to lose, gets the first, first dibs. The champion's mind is growth-based. It's empowering. It, te- it says, what do I stand to gain? It thinks about possibility and potential. And the champion's mind has the final say. But we oftentimes are running on autopilot with our human mindset. So having these two different brains that are battling each other is something that we all need to be aware of. The human mindset is innate in all of us. It exists in all of us. It's part of the package. We can't send it back. We can't get rid of it. This is how we are hardwired. We can't change that. We all have the same survival instincts. If we were to take a group of us, like if I were to take a thousand people right now who are listening to this show from all different walks of life, and we all were to collectively slip and fall on some ice Every single one of us would have the survival instinct to put our hand down to break the fall. That is the human mindset. It's it's useful when it comes to surviving. However, when it comes to growth, when it comes to unlocking your potential, when it comes to leveling up, when it comes to getting out of your comfort zone, that threatens the human mindset. We have to switch to the champion's mind, which comes from a place of growth, which says, what do I stand to gain? Which is not fear-based. It's more of a empowering place. It's more of all of the potential and the possibilities that exist. So we have to be able to know when the human mindset is trying to pull us back into comfort and how we can shift into the champion's mind to get us outside of that comfort zone where change and growth and adaptation occurs. Number nine, we're moving through these. Uh, Number nine is to this is a concept from uh, Charlie Munger to invert the problem when you're trying to solve a difficult problem. We've been taught from traditional education that we just plow through a problem on the front end and we just go at it from the front and we just keep working until we plow through that problem. Regardless of how much we're struggling, just keep going, attacking that problem from the front and eventually we should figure it out. Um, Charlie Munger says, let's flip that on its head. Let's invert the problem and attack it from the other end. And an example, I actually wrote a whole post on this would be like, okay, well, if my problem is I'm trying to get lean and I'm struggling rather than thinking about all the things I need to do to get lean, what if I inverted that problem? And I thought about all the things that I would do to get fat and to remain stuck and to remain frustrated and then do the opposite right? So I'm inverting the problem. What are all the things that I would do to get fat? And now I'm going to do the opposite. That's called inverting the problem. Or another way to like conceptualize it is if you were to approach a maze, like if you had, you know, let's say, uh, I don't know why this comes to mind, but if 
you ever go to like a, a restaurant, a diner or something, and on the backside of the menu, they've got like those placemats. And then on the backside of the menu, there's typically like a word scramble or something like you, you know, find the words and shit like that. And then there's typically like a, a maze, right? Like for the kids with the crayons and you have to, you know, go through the maze and hit the dead ends and all these other things. What might be more effective is to start at the end of the maze. That would be inverting the problem rather than attacking it from the beginning. What if you tracked it from the end, from the, from the final part of the maze? That might be more effective. Tell your you know, eight-year-old or your 10-year-old or whatever, I don't know what age kids are doing mazes on the back of placemats or whatever. I have no idea how I, I landed here, but I think it makes sense. Tell your kids, see if it works for them. Invert the problem. That might help them figure it out quicker. But that is one of my life principles that I have recently implemented when I'm struggling to solve something, invert it, flip it on its head, and let's attack from that perspective. Um, and then the last one, number 10, is the concept of closer, not more. And this one's really important because I was such a, I don't even know the right term for it, a chronic more chaser. That's what I'll call it. I was a chronic more chaser, meaning that when I was pursuing weight loss, it was more, more, more. Like never, it was never going to be enough. Um, every time I lost ten pounds, every time I hit a new milestone, I pushed the goalpost back. I needed it to be more. I needed to get to one ninety, and then one eighty, and then one seventy, and then one sixty. I was never happy. I was never satisfied. It was never going to be enough. And the same thing when I started my business and things. You know, I started getting clients reaching out, and people actually wanted to work with me and. It was always just more, 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 more clients, more clients. And then I ended up with 120 some clients to myself. I had no life. I was not sleeping. I wasn't able to fulfill at the level that I wanted to. You know, now we're talking 40 years ago it was a harsh lesson. Like I need some help. This is not sustainable. Stop chasing more. Why don't we focus on closer? Closer is like, let's close the gap from where we are to where we want to be. Now, again, the reason why so many people struggle with this is because in order to close the gap, in order to definitively say I'm getting closer, you have to clearly define what you actually want. And most people don't take the time to do that for the simple fact that, once again, when you define success, you are also defining failure. And that's hard for people to understand or to just put themselves out there and say it like, I want more time with my kids. I want to make more money. I want to be leaner. I want to have my health. I want to be more fit. But get crystal clear on what that looks like. Do you want to travel? Do you want to live in a new city? Do you want whatever? Like, what are the things specifically that you want? And what is your time preference for achieving those things? And then we can deploy everything against, are we moving closer to what you want or further away? Right? Again, the kid example is a great one. Like my ultimate goal is more time with my kids, but then you take overtime, you work all this, you know, take it, get an extra job, do all of these things that move you further away from what you actually want. And it's always this classic, well, I'll have more time with them when dot, 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 except when never comes because you've not actually defined definitively what you want and how long you want it to take to get there. So once you define those things. Now we can determine, are we moving closer or are we just chasing this arbitrary more? It's so funny to me because we've, we've transformed 
now in the thousands of lives, like thousands of people have come to us. We've changed their bodies. We've changed their mindset. We've changed their relationship with food. We've given them everything that they desire. And I can say that 90 plus percent of them needed to do less. So this idea of more did not apply. Like typically the people that work with us, they, they already have, like, they already know that they want to achieve this goal. They've, they've already been consistent um, in terms of like, they followed through on other programs, even if they were restrictive programs, they, they don't waver on what they want. They're committed, they're determined, typically high performers, they're already working out. This is just typically who we attract for whatever reason. Like, I think maybe it's because my no-nonsense approach attracts no-nonsense people. So we have a lot of people who are just, no bullshit, tell me what to do and I'm going to fucking do it. Great. Most of the time, it's less. Most of the time, it's you're restricting too much. You're doing too much cardio. You're doing too much training. Like We have to dial back. We actually have to do less. And doing less is going to move you closer to where you want to be because you've said that this has been a problem for years. You have success in other areas of your life. You're successful in your career. You have a great family, great relationships, great friends, great social network. You have all this success except the physical part. You're trying to force. You're trying to do more. You're trying to jam it down your body's throat, and it's not happening. We actually have to do less. If you want to move closer to the things you desire, if you want to look better, if you want to feel better, if you want to have more energy, if you want to be more productive at work, if you want to improve your sex drive, if you want to look better naked, all the things that you desire, we probably have to do less. And that's been the case for a lot of our clients. Now, that's not everybody, but a lot of our clients who come to us as the high performer, overachiever, perfectionist, more, more, more is not going to be the answer. Sometimes we have to do less in order to get closer. So the mental reframe and the 10th pillar is closer, not more. There you have it. Those are my 10, my top 10 pillars for living a successful life or however you want to frame it, winning at life, um, being a better human, all of that. Now, for the 300th episode I do have a special opportunity for those of you who have waited and listened all the way till the end. I'm running a beta program. We are testing out a new program for POP. This is, again, something that where we continue to try to improve upon what we've already created and always take it to the next level because I will always believe that we can do better. I will always continue to fine-tune the process, and I feel like we've unlocked certain things right now that can take us to the next level with the results that we create, which may seem crazy because we already create pretty amazing results, pretty epic results. Our success rate is really high, but I think that what we're putting together right now is going to blow everything else out of the water. We're not totally ready yet, but that's why we're doing a beta group. So I can take a select few number of people you can get in at a seriously reduced rate and you can be some of the first people to test it out, which always has its benefits because when you are first movers, you get the best price, you get grandfathered in, and typically you get the most amount of access because usually how these programs work is it's really high touch through the, through the beta process just to make sure we have everything exactly as we want it. And then once we've perfected our system, now we can pull back a little bit of access. So if you're interested, it's going to be very simple. I need a direct message. 
me personally, I need you to message me. I need you to follow instructions. I need to know that you're committed. I need to know that this is something like you're not a person who's on the fence or a waiver or a tire kicker, like no time wasting. I need people who are ready to roll, who want to do this, who want to jump in at a life-changing opportunity. If that's you, message me on Instagram, DM me at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner. Say, hey, I listened to episode 300. I'm interested in your beta program. That's it. If you can't follow those instructions, I promise it's not a good fit. If you're questioning your ability to follow through, if you're not really committed, if you're going to sit there and tell me it's not the right time, please don't reach out. This is for people that actually want to change and know that they'll do whatever it takes to make it happen. It will be a life-changing process, but I need to make sure we have the right person. If that's you, hit me up. Thank you so much for listening. 300 episodes. I can't wait for episode 600 when we double up and then 1,000 and then 2,000 and beyond. Um, I love you guys more than I could ever express. Thank you. And I will talk to you all very soon.